This is the Agenda Podcast on the Blood Red Channel, taking a bite-sized look at some of the big Liverpool FC talking points. Hello everybody and welcome to the Agenda Podcast. I'm Tom Greaves and today I'm joined by Liverpool.com's Matt Addison and the Echo's Kiefer McDonald to take a look back on the 3-3 draw against Brighton in the Premier League and have a look at Liverpool's midfield. Um, Matt, it was an entertaining match for the neutral but a tough watch as a Liverpool fan. Um, what were your initial thoughts after watching that yesterday? Yeah, so many, so many different thoughts to be honest. I think uh, I said to you just before we, we started recording this that it just feels like there's there's so many issues. There's not really one thing that you can pinpoint. And, and if you solve that, then it'll all be all right. It, it's kind of all over the pitch. I think a lot of them are, are linked together. But Liverpool trying to, to implement a bit of a new system, a bit of a new way of doing things. Obviously, differences with the, the fullbacks, what they're trying to do, particularly with, with Trent. I'm not quite sure what that's meant to look like. And I think the biggest concern really is that I'm not quite sure that Trent is sure on that as well. I think it looked... A little bit uncertain in in that regard. Obviously, we're going to talk about the midfield again. You kind of have thought all the way through this season that the midfield, well, it'll be all right when Thiago's back. As soon as you get Henderson, Fabinho and Thiago together, suddenly it'll look different. And it just didn't. I think that was possibly one of of the worst games. that though, Well, definitely the worst as as a collective, but possibly one of the worst of of Thiago that that he's played the, the first half an hour in particular was just just dire really they, they couldn't string passes together there was one where Fabinho tried to play a 10-yard pass and it ends up going out for a throw-in it just just didn't quite work and I've written something that this morning around Roberto Firmino as well I think you know that the goals were, were really well taken that the finishing was really sharp but again that the front three just didn't work particularly well either they didn't really seem to be able to press I think with Firmino it's it's more just a case of he just doesn't look physically able to do that anymore maybe with Fabio Carvalho it's a little bit more on the kind of not necessarily spotting the opportunities and, and the moments and those little triggers to go after the the loose touches that the opponents have but it just looked like Liverpool were, were five yards off Brighton back to front start to finish the entirety of, of the game they just couldn't get close to them so yeah, all the way through the pitch, it, it's really, really difficult. It's hard to know where to start, but I think the the midfield was probably, all things considered, the biggest concern for me because, as I say, we've kind of gone, oh, it'll be all right, you know, first five or six games, it's been a struggle, but you get those players back and suddenly it looks different. And ultimately, the, the reality was that it looked, if anything, worse. You know, the, the first half an hour was as bad as what we've seen. And yeah, that was that was the first time I was really, really concerned about the midfield because those three players are the ones that you want to see in there. They are the first choice, and still, it, it just looked completely disjointed. I think it, it is just we just we just do look disjointed, and it's not a new thing. Um, I saw something this morning saying that we've conceded first, Kiefer, in nine of the last eleven league games. And that's like it's not typical of a Liverpool team, that is it. So why do you think we're seeing this plan? I'm not sure. I mean, it's something that obviously stretches back to you know the back end of last season, doesn't it? I think you know at the time everyone kind of brushed it off as maybe you know Liverpool going on so many fronts and competing in so many different competitions, and every game felt like a final. So you know the way Liverpool were kind of rolling with the punches. I mean, you know, you know they, could, they just found a way to get over it, and obviously that was the momentum of that kind of. January onwards and you know that kind of carried them through and, and maybe you know papered over the cracks a little bit because you know Liverpool's end of the season as we all know was obviously wasn't what it was meant to be but from January onwards they were you know absolutely probably the peak of the powers that they've had been under Jurgen Klopp over the last seven years or so so 
I think obviously coming into this season, then obviously when you start doing it a few times, it, you know, the opening day against Fulham then and Palace and all that, it does become a bit of a concern because you're like, hang on, you know, you've not got, obviously, yeah, there is probably an element of fatigue still within the players and, and probably a bit of disappointment. I think that, that's only natural, you know, and that obviously they are only human, but, you know, it's happened so many times now and, you know, you think of the times they've, they've been bailed out this season, if you want, you want to say that, obviously you get the goal at Fulham, um, obviously you get the late winner against Newcastle, Um you know, even at Everton, obviously Cody's goals are a whisker offside, you know, on another day that, that that could stand. And you're looking at, you know, a far worse record than, than what has already been a very underwhelming start. So I think it's difficult. And, and like Matt says, it's, it, I think it is really hard to point a finger on what exactly is wrong because, you know, I think there's so many different caveats at the minute that, you know, there's just too many variables to say it's this or that. And obviously, yeah, you, you know, the injuries haven't been ideal, but, you know, to be fair, I was surprised that Henderson started yesterday. Obviously, he only played a few minutes into for England and, um, you know, kind of thrown straight back into the action. But as Matt says, that's, you know, on paper at the minute, you'd say is Liverpool's strongest midfield. Um, you know, maybe not, you know, best going attacking, you know, if, you, if you're maybe thinking of Elliot, but, you know, in terms of over, overall kind of stability and kind of reliance and obviously the whole kind of, you know, situation that we've seen with Trent Alexander-Arnold, you, you know, and the cover that he kind of needs and, and kind of what Klopp explained the other day in his, in his press conference, that midfield on paper gives you everything. Um, and then, you know, don't get me wrong, Brighton, I thought they were, you know, fantastic. You know, I've seen a bit of them this season and, you know, considering they've just lost Graham Potter to Chelsea, for that manager to come in on his first game and kind of do what he did was, you know, to take control of Anfield like that. You know, very few teams have done that during the Klopp era. But, yeah, it was it was just worrying. And, I mean, I think, you know, I think Trent will obviously get the flat foot for most of the goals. But I think there's, you know, there's again, there's there's the stages to the goals. And I think the first one, it's Henderson loses a 50-50, if I'm, if I'm right. Um, and then, obviously, the ball kind of comes. It's Trent's kind of outnumbered. Um, and you know Trossard does really well. Um, I think the second one again is you know they're, they're they're fullbacks, aren't they? They just they pin Liverpool so deep, and then they kind of got an overlap on that side. And again, I'm not sure if it's Henderson or Fabinho, but I'm sure there's a runner in there somewhere that kind of just you know takes takes control and and kind of gives Brighton that extra man going forward. And then obviously the third goal, yeah, does come down Trent's side, you know. But um, you know you've got Milner at the back post, Van Dijk obviously misses it. So I don't think it's obviously as plain as simple as you know Liverpool are really poor defensively. I just think it was a mis- mismatch of you know so many different things and like I say it, it is concerning because you know as, as, as great as that Ajax win was the break probably came at the perfect time for Liverpool in, in terms of right we've got the win you know two weeks I know it wasn't I know everyone kind of jetted off all around the world but um, you know you think at, at times on the Klopp's eras you know when it kind of breaks into a mini season Liverpool so good at like preparing and focusing you know these 13 games that we've got now before the World Cup and you know they normally you know, nail, you know, those kind of short, sharp bursts of, of games every three three days or whatever. And, you know, it's kind of kick, kick started with that. And then obviously, you know, you've got, you know, the game against Rangers on uh, on Tuesday night, which, you know, isn't going to be an easy game. It's going to be, you know, you'd expect a really good atmosphere and Rangers are going to, you know, thrive on that as well. But obviously then you've got Arsenal next week. And all of a sudden, if you know, if they don't win, you know, more so the Arsenal game, then you're looking at, hang on, you're already probably six points behind where you, you probably would have expected to be at this point. Obviously, then you've kind of got the you, you're still playing catch up with the with the draws and defeats in September and August, and and you know and, and if you, you know Liverpool been so good with momentum over these years, and if you're not carrying that well, it's it, you know it can really unspiral out of control. And like I say, it's so difficult now because you know I've, I've you know I've watched match of the day, put myself through last night. Obviously, watched the highlights this morning, but again, it's it's like I can't actually see what is wrong. You know, obviously the midfield is obviously the the most concerning because I think you look at that and. Um, you know, like I say, it's on paper, it's Liverpool's strongest midfield. Um, but as, as Matt says, obviously, you know, Firmino gets the goals, and but he just 
I, I just felt like at that time he was like a fourth midfielder, and you know, one, you know, you know, Brighton to be fair to him, obviously had far more possession. I think you know. Than, than teams would normally have at Anfield. So when Liverpool were, you know, almost going on a counter attack, you've got Firmino sitting on the halfway line, and you know, I remember there was one of the first half like Carvalho's running with it, and he's got he's got nowhere. There's like six what this you know six wear white and blue shirts, and and he doesn't have anyone to pass to, and you know, for all everything Firmino gives you outside of that, and obviously I know it's not what he, what it used to be, but you just think that I thought that would have been a game for Darwin Nunes maybe, you know, to if you are kind of you know, like I say Brighton are going to play, they're not going to sit back and have two banks of five, but. You know, at least you can stretch them and you know at least people like Carvalho would have had runners in behind and at least someone's that kind of bounced the ball off but that was kind of non-existent and like I say also gets, gets to two goals you know two great finishes but um you know another worrying kind of issue is, is kind of what Liverpool are gaining overall because at the minute you know even when, even when they do have a man in, inside they, they can't string passes together which is you know pretty concerning at any level of football let alone you know in the Premier League. Yeah it, it is worrying isn't it Matt um Brighton are a good side. There's no bones about it. But are they three goals at Anfield? Good. I don't know. Um, it's worrying no, considering, like the midfield, like you said before, the midfield that we put out was arguably our strongest. Um, but does that mean that it's an issue with how we're setting up as opposed to the actual personnel available? I think so. Yeah, I think it's it's, it's a case of balance, and it's a case of that control that, that Liverpool have kind of transitioned to. We, we saw it in the early parts under Jurgen Klopp that the midfield didn't really have a great deal of control. It was kind of a case of just going all out attack and, and seeing what happens and you know get Sadio Mane and Mohamed Salah into positions and try and outscore teams. But over the last sort of two or three seasons, they've not, they've not really been that kind of team. They've been very much a dominant, controlling, you know, the, the classic sort of 2-0 the opposition doesn't really touch the ball. The game's dead on 60. I can't remember the last time Liverpool had a game like that. And that's that's what you need. That's what Manchester City do. They get themselves a couple of goals up and then it's just pass, 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 pass for the rest of it. And the other team doesn't get the opportunity to, to come out and, and score. And I, I agree to, to an extent that Brighton are a good side and they've got good players and they came with a plan and we know how good they are under Graham Potter. But I just thought there were moments yesterday where normally Liverpool at their peak... Roberto Firmino at his peak, the midfield at the peak, they would have spotted opportunities. There was one where I think it was Adam Webster at centre-back had the ball and he did a little drag back to go round his man. And I just don't think Liverpool at their peak, you know, Brighton wouldn't have been trying those things. They would have had Firmino and maybe Mohamed Salah would have been there to, to pressure him. There was a couple of little loose touches that I just thought, you know, in in times gone by, the midfield, whether it's Henderson, whether it's Thiago, they would have been there. They would have been snapping into tackles, winning the ball back high up the pitch. And it, it just seemed a little bit too easy to me for, for Brighton to be able to play out. And as soon as they got past the first press, well, can you even call it a press? It, it was that minimal. As soon as they got past that, it, the midfield just wasn't there. They couldn't run. Then you're looking at the defence. Trent, again, just looks like he's running through treacle at the moment. Joel Matip looked, you know, completely the opposite of what we've seen from him. He, he's usually very calm. He's collected. He knows exactly where he should be. But again, he was sort of swinging and missing at the ball. And it's just that knock-on effect of as soon as Firmino isn't there, the midfield isn't there, Trent's not there, the centre-backs are not there. Alisson, to be fair to him, was was probably the best player on the pitch and, and kept Liverpool from conceding even more goals. But... It's just collectively, I think, in terms of uh, the whole drop-off of the side. I saw a, a tweet this morning, actually, from looking at the age of, of the team when Liverpool won the Premier League title last. And you're looking at, at the ages of the players. You're looking at all of those players really being in the peak. I think there was one who was 30. The rest are kind of 
mid to late 20s or you've got one or two youngsters who are coming through obviously Trent being at, at his peak a little bit younger but probably sort of mid 20s in terms of the level and, and the kind of maturity of, of his game at, at that particular time but I, I just wonder at the moment whether this group has, has just grown a little bit old together all at once uh, Firmino doesn't look though as though he can run at the same level and obviously has played 300 games at a ridiculous intensity level for Liverpool, but just doesn't look like he can match that anymore. Alongside him, you've got Fabio Cavallio, who's playing at a slightly different role, only just come into the team, isn't necessarily the quickest player in the world anyway, doesn't necessarily fit perfectly just yet into the way that Liverpool want him to play. And and then the, the midfield, you know, we've we've spoken a lot about it, obviously, in terms of, of transfers and, and where they go with that sort of thing. But Fabinho, to me, just looks a little bit tired. I think he did, to be honest, for, for the second half of, of last season. And either side of him, you've got you know players who are, what, 31, 32. I think Henderson might be nearly 33. You're, you're looking at, at these players who, you know, two or three years ago, yes, they can do the job of, of two or three players just on their own. But at the moment, it just doesn't look like that's the case. And if you've lost sort of four or five key components of this team, suddenly that can expose other areas very, very quickly. And I just... I can understand what, what the kind of master plan is. They want to switch to Darwin Nunez. They want to bring Trent into different positions. They want to make sure that they're not found out and teams want to, to kind of you know look at what they've done now for three or four years and they've looked at it and thought, we've got to do something a little bit different. And I understand that. I just, I wonder whether doing it all in one go with the same players pretty much as what they had before is, is necessarily the right way of going about it. Because, you know, we mentioned before how sort of out of his depth and out of position Trent looks at the moment. I think maybe you can start him more centrally. Maybe you can sort of push him a little bit higher up the pitch if he's at peak physical condition, if Jordan Henderson is at peak physical condition. But at the moment, they're just not really giving themselves a chance. When Trent's that far up, there was, there was an attack yesterday where he was, the furthest player forward in the middle, playing the number nine role almost. And as soon as Liverpool lose the ball, to run from that position back into a conventional fullback position, it's just not going to happen. And it's certainly not going to happen when they're kind of struggling for, for confidence and, and fitness and form and all the rest of it at the moment. It, it's just too much too soon, I think. And yeah, it's going to have to be step by step that they try and solve this. The Agenda on the Blood Red Channel. Kiefer, it's mainly frustrating, I think, because the extended period that Liverpool found themselves having the break was potentially an opportunity for them to just press the reset button and like go again as we enter what will be a really busy six weeks for them. Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously, I know Klopp spoke about it, didn't he? And he said that obviously the Ajax game was like another false start, obviously, you know, through no fault of their own. But even in the Ajax game, it wasn't, you know, I don't know if it's because time's passed, but it wasn't as convincing as kind of everyone you know, thought at the time, obviously you get the late goal, but I think that is kind of what carries you. And obviously I know when you kind of play in that, in that kind of manner that, you know, um, you kind of take a win in any form, you know, Liverpool were just desperate for one, especially after coming off the back of the Napoli game. But, you know, they, you know, Ajax more than held their own kind of at Anfield and it was kind of a traditional, you know, away performance in, in Europe and obviously they nearly got the reward for it. It wasn't, you know, yes, Thiago was brilliant on his return, but I don't think it, it you know, it's probably one of the best performances this season, but I don't think that says a lot. And it wasn't, I'd probably say it was probably Liverpool at what, 70%, 80% of what they're, they're capable of. So obviously it was still, you know, the season's kind of breakthrough, but um, yeah, obviously, you know, everyone kind of jets off to the international break and I suspect that's probably why obviously 
Nunes didn't start yesterday. Um, obviously, I know Klopp said that he uh, came back, and same with Diaz. Obviously, he came on at half time. But I just felt even even with that, like obviously, it would have been a good opportunity for, for for Nunes to kind of come on, and you know, you're looking for a goal. And what what does that kind of say about the kind of situation that Liverpool are in at the minute? And they're in this kind of rut. They've got this new, you know, sixty five million pound man, um, you know, potentially to be a club record if all goes to plan. And you know, Liverpool are, you know needing the goal or screaming for a goal or whatever the situation was and, and he's just sat there and you know I think he brought on what was it uh, Milner and Elliot on the hour wasn't it so yeah. it says says an awful lot about obviously probably more about his you know his, his, his kind of fitness or, or whatever but I mean Uruguay they only played in, in Vienna wasn't it so it wasn't as if he you know he had all the travel in, in South America so I don't know that was a, that was an interesting one in itself but yeah like, like Matt says it, it you know it just feels like there's a, a, a you know a magnitude of things that have gone wrong at the minute and you know obviously Trent will get the flack and you know deservedly so you know for some of his performances this season but I just I just I just don't see how Liverpool get out of this at the minute because you know they're not going to rip up the blueprint now are they they've got you know the busiest probably schedule in Premier League history over the next you know five or six weeks so there's, there's no real plan I know obviously Klopp's tinkered with a 4-2-3-1 you know during his early days and, and obviously at times that season when Liverpool have been chasing games but you know I can't remember the last time, you know, Liverpool set out with it from the front. I think it was like Palace at 7-0 in, in 2020, whenever that, you know, December 2020. So, um, you know, that that might suit Liverpool, but whether he would do that, you know, you, you think now at the minute with playing three games a week, Liverpool probably going to have like one day training between games, you know, with recovery and fitness and prep and all that. So it's going to be, it is, it is a wild time, but, um, you know, you just kind of hope that everyone can kind of, Kind of find that form and, and kind of get out of it because it, it obviously does kind of all interlink. I think obviously you know if Henderson get up to, to kind of his fitness and, and kind of get back to his game, which obviously he's kind of regressed obviously rightly with age. Um, you know that's obviously going to help Trent out. Obviously he has obviously been overexposed with, with Elliot in recent weeks, but um, and obviously then if he kind of gets that you know that protection you know on the defensive side, you'd you'd imagine it give him a better platform to go forward and and kind of perform you know in the, in the final third and kind of be that playmaker that he was for Liverpool last season and and he has been obviously in the season since. But um, yeah, it's it's such a, a weird one because like I said, there's no. I think we kind of all kidded ourselves that it was solely injuries and you know once everyone was back, you know Liverpool would be would be fine and be fit and firing. But um, you know maybe that was just a bit of blind faith, obviously. You know, deserve this early side of it over the past, you know, three or four years. But I think, as Matt says, when you look kind of look at the ages of everyone and you know look at the miles, I think, I think Firmino is like the most used player Klopp's ever used as a manager in total, which obviously says a lot about you know Liverpool and, and kind of how many games they've played and you know how deep they've gone into competitions over the last three or four years. I think you know that that 2020-21 season is it feels like the only season where Liverpool haven't you know gone deep into a European competition and the Premier League, and, and even then they still have stuff to play for. So. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it'd be far too too easy for me to just sit here and say, you know, rip up the blueprint and start again. I mean, it's easier said than done, but um, it is going to take you know some tinkering and you know, with the even just the pressing is is just miles off. You, you know, with the kind of gaps that they're leaving between spaces. I mean, I think it was the third goal yesterday. I, I mean, Fabinho, how good has he been since he joined Liverpool? But you know, is I'm sure. Yeah, it was a third goal. You know, there was a pass between the lines, and, and the player turned had two or three touches, and then you know sprayed it out wide, kind of thing. And you know, with what we've kind of said that Fabinho, so you know, which he has been, but um, you know, that that's so uncharacteristic of him, isn't it? To you know, to kind of let someone have that time and space. And obviously, I suppose it's just a knock-on effect because you know, 
for all the kind of stick that Liverpool's high line have got, I mean, you know, Van Dijk and, and Matip, you know, yesterday, they were just so off the forwards, weren't they? I mean, again, with the first touches, I mean, Welbeck, you, you know, I mean, how, how old is Danny Welbeck been now? Like 31 or something, and, he, and he's playing like that, you know, with his back to goal, back to Van Dijk, back to Matip kind of thing. You know, he's having touches laying it off. And, you know, in years gone by, you know, Van Dijk or whoever it would have been would have gone in and clattered him or, you know, gone in and, and not given him that space to have a touch or, you know, take a turn or whatever. And it just... I don't want to say Liverpool gave Brighton the respect because obviously they didn't because, you know, with all due respect, it is Brighton and, you know, there's nothing to fear. But I think the fact that, you know, I think when it went 3-2 with, what, 15 minutes to go, 10 minutes to go, I don't think there was one person in Anfield who was confident we would see that out or confident that a third goal was enough. I think everyone thought, right, before 2 or 3-3 three, three kind of thing. Like, and, and that's, you know, as Matt says, you know, Liverpool become so good at in recent years. I mean, that title winning season, the amount of one nils they had, because everyone kind of just felt once you got that first goal, teams kind of were just like, well, we're not going to get anything here, especially at Anfield. I mean, I think they won 17 of the 19 at Anfield that season. You know, it was such a fortress over those those years. And, and and you know, for for a team to kind of come to Anfield and, and score three on another day where they could have scored six, you know, they felt hard done by that. They didn't, you know, they didn't get three points. So, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult one. And like I say, there's, there's plenty for kind of Klopp and, and Linders to kind of dive their teeth into over the next couple of days and, and weeks, but you know, there's a game on there's a game on Tuesday. So how much they can change and, and realistically change is, you know, is another question in itself. It's it might just have to be one of them where they just kind of, you know, chop and change personnel in the hope that, you know, something that you wouldn't have thought, you know, dropping the likes of Van Dyke, who's kind of become untouchable during his time at Liverpool. But, you know, the way they're kind of all playing, you know, some of them do I think need to to kind of be dropped and, and maybe rested. And, you know, with the likes of Calvin Ramsey coming in, you'd hope that you know, again, I do feel sorry for him because, you know, he's he's kicked, he's not kicked the ball for Liverpool yet and there's so much pressure on him already. I mean, this is a lad who, who you know, his first professional season in, you know, his first professional season was last year and, you know, now he's been touted as kind of giving Trent a rest and, and playing across four different competitions for Liverpool, which is, you know, it does seem slightly unfair, but, um, you know, maybe that something, you know, along that side of rotation, you know, can be kind of Liverpool's solution to kind of get out of this, get out of this rut. Yeah, ju- just finally then, Matt. Um, Trent's been getting some criticism again, and like you've both referenced that in some of your answers so far. Um, but the manager extensively stressed in his pre-match press conference that Trent shouldn't get off the criticism he does because that's exactly how he's told to play positionally. So it leaves him prone to being caught out. Should the midfield be doing a better job of getting over and covering for him? Do you think? I think it's a it's a hard one really. I think, like I mentioned before, we we don't really know where Trent is meant to be. I think we have to to assume that the positions he's taking up are the positions that he's being asked to take up. I think we saw Jurgen Klopp screaming and shouting at Fabinho and one or two others. Maybe it's it's the others around him that are not necessarily in the, the right spots, but it just doesn't seem to have, have clicked into place now. And I think. The, the concern really is that we're not quite sure exactly what it's meant to be. I think at least if you knew what he was meant to be doing or you knew how it was meant to look, you could kind of work towards that. And from that, you could work out, well, maybe something has to happen. Maybe Mohamed Salah has to shift or maybe Darwin Nunez comes in and, and suddenly it, that's the plan. Maybe that is the plan. Maybe, you know, it's it's to get Trent in the positions to find him or to put crosses into him. At the moment, though, to me, it, it just it seems a little bit counterproductive with him because not only is he miles out of position when Liverpool are out of possession, but he's not in the right positions even when he does have the ball. I think he's sort of in that number 10 position. He's in the areas in the middle of the pitch where it tends to be most congested. And 
the one thing we've seen from him consistently since he's come into this Liverpool team is that if you get him out wide and he can put the crosses in, that's how he's going to create those chances. But for, for whatever reason, and I'm sure you know Pep Liners and, and Jurgen Klopp will have this plan in their, their mind, but for whatever reason, they've decided to take him away from the position where he was used to creating and, and assisting these chances and moved him inside where it just doesn't seem to, to quite be happening. So, look, the, the blueprint must be there. They must think that there's enough in there that it will work at some point in future. You know, the, the benefits of it must outweigh you know, the, the difficulties that they're, they're finding so far this season. But at the moment, it's not quite worked. I'm reluctant to, to, to say that it is Trent. I think it is, you know, a collective issue more than, than an individual one. But at the same time, I, I don't want to let him off the hook completely because there are certain things that you just look at and it, it just doesn't look like he's putting in the, the right runs. It doesn't look like he's doing the right things at certain times. It, it's going to be a little bit of everything, I think. And yeah, the, the sooner Liverpool can fix it, the better. But as I think we've all said, you know, quite how they do that, I'm not too sure. Yeah, and I do actually think he, he didn't have the greatest of games yesterday, but it doesn't help when the whole thing just looks disjointed and it, it kind of exposes the whole team, really, as opposed to just one person. But I think we'll leave it there for today anyway. I hope um, this podcast has provided somewhat a little bit of uh, therapy for people listening. But anyway, we move on. We've got the Champions League on Tuesday um, and there's a lot of games coming up for the pool. So keep an eye on all our content over the next few days and a couple of weeks as we head into the second part of the season. Um, I've been Tom Greaves with Keith McDonald and Matt Addison. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to the Agenda Podcast on the Blood Red Channel.